Welcome to Everything Renewed Podcast. This is Wes Morgan. Listen, everyday people operate under habits and mindsets that prevents growth. This podcast is here to address those habits and mindsets and dismantle negative stigmas. We truly believe that if you start with the mind, everything can be renewed. Let's go. It's another day for your mind to be renewed. My name is Wes Morgan, and thank you for joining us uh, today. I'm excited to have a special guest in the studio, our virtual studio, due to location. But um, we're going to be diving into some good uh, conversation today. Normally, I have a good bio to read, but today I have the privilege to sit down and rap with my older brother, Eddie. Um, back back in the hood, we call him Morg. He has so many different uh, nicknames. Matter of fact, I don't think there's nobody in our family that actually go by their legal name. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say my, my nickname. Uh, well, I really don't care. Back at home, I don't even go by Wesley or Wes. I go by Ralph. Um, and maybe, maybe Eddie could tell that story. I, I don't know. So I'm going to actually bypass a whole, you know, we do a bio. I, I'm not doing that today. Um, yeah, I want to, I'm over here contemplating, do I call him Eddie or more? So Eddie, why don't you tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself. Well, first of all, I'm not going to let you get away with that that quick. Let's explain where Ralph comes from. Oh, God. When we were kids, the Honorable John Conyers attended our family reunion. And <laughs> there was a particular young man that had the front tooth knocked out uh, back on the block. And he had a little bit of a struggle pronouncing names. And when um, Representative Conyers asked, hey, young man, what's your name? He said, Waffity. And <laughs> Mr. Kanye said, excuse me, that Waffity. He said, huh? So he said, so Mr. Kanye said, Ralphity? <laughs> so Wesley goes, yeah, that's it, Ralphity. And from that day on was birth Ralph. My dad absolutely hated that name. I remember many a uh, club. Uh, as my dad would say, he's going to mauled our heads and things of that nature. But here we are many, many years later. And that is officially your name. Ralph. Well, Ralph. Tell, tell the audience, uh, I knew how to say my name. In my head, I was Sam Wesley. Uh, my uncle Calvin was DJ. And so I introduced myself right by a DJ. He said, uh, <laughs> Representative Conyer said, Ralphie, I actually had a real bad speech impediment, so I couldn't talk worth it two cents so yeah that is where we get my name so uh that is a very unique story and y'all did get several whoopings until y'all tired out dad and he just kind of gave in it but he still to this day do not call me that so uh continue telling people about yourself <laughs> you know what i am um the best son of all five <laughs> born to eddie senior and <laughs> carolyn morgan two of the most oh absolute phenomenal parents that God has put on this earth. No, all seriousness. I'm the oldest of five uh, boys, or should I say now men, all five men. I am a um, military veteran of the United States Air Force. So those of us that have served our country, we all have a fight which branch was the uh, toughest. I will concede that that's probably the Marine Corps but the, the branch with that required the intellect 
was the United States Air Force. And that is the branch that I was in. So I'm a proud veteran that loves serving my country. It um, uh, really helped develop the young man that I uh, grew into and the man that I am today. Uh, experience. I have lifelong friends in the military. Uh, I am a federal employee still, started in 98. Uh, and I am now an executive for the federal government and been doing that and plan on doing it for maybe another 10 years before I, as they say, I hang up my Jordans and start to enjoy the best phase of life. And that is called retirement. <laughs> um, since you wanted to tell stories, why don't you tell the story on how you got to the military so quickly? It's like, nah, we, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> We don't have time for that. No, 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 we don't. But I, I have you here on the podcast. And um, with all of the guests that I um, interview, we have what we call the everything renewed question. And that question is, what what is one thing you would like to see changed in our world? That is a phenomenal question. What's the one thing? That's very difficult. If it was one thing you know what, there is something. And it's, it's one word, peace. Mm. That's what I would change, peace. You know, we can, you know, you can offer many a different things, but I think peace then falls into, it multiplies into so many other things. So that's, that's one thing I would like to see is to just see peace, peace at home, peace abroad, peace for those who are struggling mentally, peace for those who are, you know, just have, just turmoil going on in their life, communities, uh, countries, the entire world, peace. It sounds corny, but could you imagine a world full of peace? We could hear each other. We could worship together. We can break bread together. We can party together. We can play together. We can cry together. We can pray together. We can do everything because there's no hard feelings because we are all at peace. That would be my one thing. Now, you know, I'm a preacher and I say, you know, at this time, is there one? Because the only peace you're going to get is from Jesus. Amen. Amen. But uh, uh, <laughs> here we go. Come, come, come on, Bishop. Your, your, no, your hey. next size is okay, OK, relax. <laughs> no, when I see the when the door open, you know, Romans 1 to 16, I'm not ashamed. I'm preaching everywhere. No, we had the opportunity. Um, we had the opportunity. I don't know. Was it 2017, 18? Um, the pandemic and messed everything up for me and dates. But um, me and our um, my other siblings had the opportunity to come uh, to see you um, be elevated in different areas of your career. And we we had a good time. A lot of memories was made that weekend. Um, and but the thing that I took away from that, um, I literally thought about the success. And I look at um, mom and dad. Um, and how successful they were in raising us, um, the, the principles and tools and things that they have installed in us. But more importantly, I'm very attentive to uh, people that are very close to me. So all of our uncles, our cousins and stuff. But more importantly, that that weekend did shift the mindset um, because you you were on edge. Uh, we gave you a nickname. Uh, I think I started calling you Xanax uh, that weekend because you were don't say this and don't say this. The you know the camera's gonna be here. You were on 
10. And we were in, of course, your little brother gave everybody a show and let them know that we don't, we do not follow rules. We don't care about your rules and all of that. But it was a lot of uh, meaningful things that took place. And one of the um, things that um, I walked away with in which we're going to talk about today um, really is just the cost of success. I have watched you, I honestly use your story a lot, even in mentoring young men. Um, and I'm not going to go into great detail with that, but I walked away from that weekend and I, and I told myself, uh, success is very difficult, right? And it, it's going to cost you something. Um, so on display that weekend was a lot of success uh, to see mom and dad, you know, daddy was just grinning and to have that man smiling all day every day you know that that was a big that was a big success and it was just happy to see um but i want to talk today a little bit about the cost of success and from your own experience um i go to different trainings i pay for trainings both in the, um, the church sector um even in my professional uh in my professional line of work you know, we go to all these trainings and we hear, uh, here's the tools to this and, you know, you should follow these steps. And so when we look at success, I look how I look at how we, we are so quick to just go chase something, but we don't know what we're really chasing. So we like the glamour, right? Um, we like all of those things. We like the money. We like the access, but we don't look at the cost of success. Um, so one of the things I want to ask you because of your career and you can, you know, give details as you please, but what's, what's a tool? Because I hear that word a lot in different trainings, like here's a tool to do this. What's a tool um, that you will say you use personally uh, to meet or to define uh, success? Like what, what's something that you can, you know, a person can use, I guess, to meet their uh, goal or how they, however they find this success. Does that make you sense? You know what, Ralph? Mom and Daddy's money was well spent up there at that uh, university. You actually coming around here with a halfway? That might be two decent questions. You hit three, we might have to mess around and get a little shouting music going on. You on a roll today, huh? <laughs> well, I see that education working. Well, I need those loans paid off. So if there's anybody who uh, is listening to this, please call me because uh, them loans is knocking <laughs> on my door and I'm, I'm tired of them knocking. So I try to use I try to use the education that I receive. But yeah. So what's no, uh, let, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. What what's your number one tool that you use to meet success? So what did you use? And. For my line of work, I'm in the service industry. I provide service to the American people. That's um, in a roundabout way, that's what I do. As the, obviously at the executive level, I'm at maybe the 50, 70,000 foot uh, view, if you will. But my number one tool is people. I have a saying that if you work for me, if my, I can tell you my team is gonna listen to this and I can see eyes rolling and lip smacking right now, but I have a saying and I teach this and preach it, if you will, constantly. You can know it all. You can know absolutely everything, but if you cannot lead people, you are an ineffective know-it-all. So <laughs> that's my, my number one tool is people. I know, I would like to believe that I'm pretty well-versed in my uh, organization. I know the rules, I know, you know, budget, 
I know how to lead, but the key is if I cannot lead people, if I can't get the team to march to the same beat and to go and achieve the goal, I'm ineffective. So I can know it all, but I, I find it hard to believe that someone made it to their mark, to the top of the mountain, if you will, or whatever that uh, cliche is, without having someone there to help. So my number one tool, and I'll always use it or utilize it, is people. Without people, I am nothing. And that's not just something to say. I 100% believe that. And it's been proven. People yeah. is my greatest tool. My gr I don't even like to say asset, but if you will, my greatest asset, my greatest turn to is my staff and those who I work with. So two questions. Let me throw the first one at you. Um, how would you define success just off the top of your head? How would you define what success is? Seeing those who are coming along on the journey with you achieve what they want. So I am a bit corny, I guess. I have a team of just under 5,000. So those who work for me and if they come and we sit down and they say, Eddie, this is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my career. And then, you know, we sit down and we create a, uh, a path or a plan. And then to see them achieve that, I believe that then is success. So I have made it to a certain level because someone reached back and helped pull me along. So then for me, I call success when I can do the same thing for others and then multiply that as well. So something I'm picking up that you're saying though, for your, for your take, you know, in my eyes, of course I can be biased cause I'm your little brother, but in my eyes, you are successful in your line of work and I watch your career path, but how I hear you defining that is based upon your success is not even really centered around you. All of your answers have been, you said, around people and how you can make them reach their goals. So that's how you define success. And I think um, when we look at, you know, you know, we got cousins in the NBA, NFL, all of this stuff. We have very successful uh, people in our family and we come from a line of that um, from both sides, the Morgan side and the McNeil side. Uh, we have a lot of success around us. But what you're pointing to and what I want the listening audience to hear more importantly is that is success is not centered around you. It's actually centered around those who have poured into you and who you are pouring into. Is that what I'm hearing you say? At, 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 at 100%, you're absolutely correct. You know what? It's, it's not about self. I, here's another one of my Eddieisms. So if you're lucky you don't work for me. Team is spelled T E. A M and inside a team there's an M and an E. So if I operate with inside of the team, I'll be elevated as well. But then the team moves forward. So Michael Jordan is arguably the the best basketball player. But we from the D. We say Isaiah Thomas all day long, number eleven, the smallest guard, and putting in that work. He forced Michael Jordan to go lift weights, etc. But I tell you what, you give me a high school basketball team and you put Michael Jordan over there by himself and I'll outscore him and he won't even be allowed to take the ball out because he cannot do it himself. 
He has to have at least one other, which then means makes it two. And then with those two against five, it's not going to work. You put an entire team together, and now you have the Chicago Bulls, and the rest is history. So for me, it's team. Mm. So growing up, you know, we all have our little leadership qualities and all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, mom and dad used to leave and um, how mom and dad raised us, you know, dad always said that something crazy was to happen to me and your mother. You all fall in line and we have to go with whatever you say. Right. And so and it's like Amen. that. And it's Amen. like that. To this, whatever. It's like that to this day. Like one thing, like. I, I take I take so much pride in how we our relationships. I tell everybody that me and my brothers are like twins. We talk every day. It's not a day that we don't talk. Right. But I, I tell folks like, you know, when when there are situations, you know, mom have some health issues going on. Dad is trying to do some stuff, but we all fall in line. So the leadership, um, the leadership role you have been practicing. To me, dad, it basically forced you right into it because you didn't have a choice as a young kid. He always said, if something were to happen, follow your older brother and whatever you say, we just got to do. So with some of that, now you did get out of control with some of your little leadership qualities growing up. But would you say you're a control freak, though? So because a lot of people and let me break this down. This is why I'm asking you this. A lot of people. OK, you said success is people. But some of us are addicted to controlling people. I see it in church. Um, you know, the black church always get, you know, dragged for, you know, leadership and, oh, the leader did this, the pastor, or they say, you know, the church only do something because of the senior pastor or, and we see it in sports too. Like we can't do this because the coach said this. So, um, you know, outside of, you know, our childhood experience. So you have all these people under 5,000 something people are working for you. You can get the big head, right? Even though your numbers might say different, are you a control freak? And how does that affect you being successful? You know what? This is my answer is probably going to be surprising. I absolutely am a control freak, but I look at that a little bit differently. Let's think about control and freak. So sometimes we use words with not really understanding the definition. If you define control, it's simply the power or ability to influence or direct. And for me, I'd like to say to influence or direct others. So do I do that? My answer is yes. And then what is a freak? Let's keep it PG, right? So a freak no, is let's talk about the freak nature. <laughs> no, we no, we're not. Okay, now don't don't get rebuked. Okay. Now, now we know the freak. What let's define that as very unusual or unique. And that's what I would consider myself. I, I, I am fully aware of who I am and what I bring to the table. And I know I fully understand the gift that the good Lord has gave me. And that sets me apart, if you will. I know I am unique. So am I a control freak? I absolutely am. That being said, I'm not stubborn, neither ignorant. So I, I surround myself with a very diverse team. I have a techie. I have someone that is that only sees it uh, up, someone that strictly sees it down, someone sees it left, someone sees it right, someone has, who encompasses it all. And by having that diverse opinion around myself, I'm better able to lead the team. I am a, I am a control freak. I understand the goal where we're trying to go because of some of the situations that I've already been through. 
and some of the mentors that have guided me and molded me. So I am fully aware. And then if the good Lord gives me a vision or gives me that, you know, that little thing that kind of hits you, you know, your spirit, if you will, kind of say, and they were, this is the way that we need to go. I'm going to rock with what's got me here. So if I know that we need to go 10 paces forward, we are going 10 paces forward. So that would be the control freak in me. I have established where the team is going. And then I then turn that control over to the team. And then we have open dialogue. What's the best way for us to get there? Okay. So when you say you have diverse opinions around you, does that, um, how do you deal with that? Like, I know you say you like to control it because the word control, you're providing direction, you're providing insight and you know the end goal, but having diverse opinions, do you feel like that eat at your success or it can go against it? Oh, no, absolutely. Think about this. Now, Eddie Morgan was not always the executive at one point. In our organization, you start at um, a supervisor, then like a, mid, a starting manager, mid-level manager, then we have a rank of a senior, then, uh, then obviously you hit executive. I, did, I was not born an executive, so I too had to be part of a team at one point, and I had ideas. I had um, that saying uh, that was in me saying, this is the better way to do it. And you know what? I wanted someone to listen to my two cents. Now, sometimes it was completely shut down because I like to believe that I operate outside of the box. And in doing so, sometimes my out-of-the-box ideas was completely out-of-the-box, and they needed to remain out-of-the-box. And other times... They were excellent ideas, but someone uh, nurtured that, nurtured me. They mentored me, allowed me to, you know, uh, uh, grow. And so that helped me become the leader that I am. So then I shouldn't be a hypocrite, if you will. So I have those diverse opinions. You know, Eddie Morgan did it this way, but that play might have worked in 2005. And in that season, that play was. Right. But now we're in a different season. So not saying that my ideal is wrong, but maybe this new uh, this young lady that just got on a team that's coming completely maybe from India. And I don't understand what she is saying because it sounds completely foreign to me. But then when we okay, you know what, let's go with it and it succeeds. Guess what? I now just gained another tool, another way to achieve the goal as well. So diversity is key. Is, is And I'm very comfortable in my skin. I don't have to walk around and I am the executive. I am who I am. I know who I am. And the team knows who I am. And so I'm comfortable. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, my name is on the nameplate and I'm held responsible. It's okay. If, if someone has a better idea, my old boss used to say, I don't have to get it right. I don't have to be right. We just have to get it right. So I do believe, you know, I am headstrong. I do believe all of my ideas are right. If I come up with them, you know what? They are blessed and highly favored and I'm right. And the devil's a lie. I, I am wrong just like everyone else is. And so I'm comfortable. We just have to get it right. I'm providing service to the people. We have to get it right. So being, so I want to recap something. So being a control freak more so in, in the aspects of being successful it's really not necessarily necessarily you trying to do it by yourself, but it's you directing a path to get to the 
um, the outcome, the overall goal. And so you're making sure that happens, but you're not necessarily navigating every program, every meeting and all and things like that. Um, is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, ab- no, absolutely. You know what? The younger version or the younger me, when you first get started, you know what? Your names and okay, I have all of this responsibility and I'm being compensated as such. I need to have my hand in everything. And to me, that's 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 a recipe for a disaster. When you think you are all of that and a bag of chips, understand that everything has an expiration date. So watch this. Um, and, and then we're going to take a little break. So so when I see the word control freak or even hear it, I feel like it, it isolates you. And looking at success, looking at what you are, what you have accomplished, what I have accomplished, and just people in our lives that we know, one thing that I see as a common denominator is isolation. Because oftentimes, the higher you climb that ladder, um, everybody can't come with you. We hear that all the time, right? It's almost like a cliche, you know, everybody is not meant to go with you as you get to one level to another level. However, that can be very damaging as well because you're up there. And like you said, it's my way or the highway. Like I got these ideas, they are right. So can't that hurt you though? And and how you will be like trying to control everything because you're isolated? You you know what? But Wesley, we we have to also think, aren't we set apart? Hmm. So, so, so if you, if you will, I'm, I'm automatic by faith, I'm isolated. And then at the same time, I'm never isolated, if you will, because I'm never alone and that can be spiritual. So that's, I'm never alone. And then I have a strong family base. I have a, I have, a, you know, obviously speaking to you, my brother, for me, I, I could never have a friend in my life and I'm fully okay with that because we have such a massive family and we are so tight. So yes, it it is lonely at times, especially in my line of work. One of my mentors told me, you know, Eddie, now once you make once you make executive, you're going to be lonely because you don't have that many people that you can share some sensitive information with. So I guess in that sense, yes. But then I also have a circle of, if you will, other executives that I deal with that I can share that information. And and some come from different walks of life and you know, all over the United States that we all converse and we have those types of relationships. So it is, it, it, I guess, in a way, it, it can be isolation or you can kind of feel alone, but I'm never alone. So I, I guess I never really look at it as if, you know, I'm lonely. There are times when, you know, hey, when I was a mid-level manager, it, it was 70 of us, or maybe it was 50 of us versus it's, um executives there may be one or in different situations is two of us so in, in that sense my circle of peers maybe have condensed but then my team I don't look at my team as my uh a word that actually bothers me as my subordinate that, that, that this is my team these are my teammates and then I just that that becomes my family I am very personable I, I you know what I like a loose environment I'm very serious but I, you know, let's 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 become family. Let's become one. So that isolation piece, I get it when you're kind of when you've met made it to the top. But let me also say this: another thing that I'm not a fan of is top-down leadership. It starts at the top. To me, that's arrogance. I, mm. there, 
I don't believe in top-down leadership. I actually believe in reversing that. And it's actually come from our spiritual background. I believe that leadership should be established where we are the foundation, not saying that we are Christ. Please don't mix that up. But I am the foundation. So everything starts with Eddie, and then we build up on that. So if I see myself as the top and everyone else is beneath me, that's exactly how I'm going to teach, how I'm going to treat and lead my team. But instead, I'm the foundation. So we are all right here on the ground level, but I'm that cement. I'm the foundation piece, and then we grow upon that. And then I see everyone else put them on my shoulders. I have to carry that weight. But if I'm a great leader, you know what? We're all at the same place, pushing and going towards that same goal, and we'll get there faster. So I'm, I'm a big foundation piece. That's a big piece of who I am. You just made somebody hang up and don't want to listen to the podcast anymore because you said top-down leadership is arrogant. Hmm. And on that note, let's take a break and hear from my sponsors, and we'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Renew Counseling Services, where our mission is to reveal, restore, and renew all people by using a holistic approach to help transform lives. If you know anyone in West Michigan seeking counseling services, send them over to our website for additional information, www.renewedcounselingservices.com. Again, www.renewedcounselingservices.com. Now back to our show. Okay, we're back. Um, <laughs> we had to go to break because you made a statement uh, that I might get an email message about or something like that saying top-down leadership is arrogant. I, I like when you were talking about like you serve as the foundation, like you have thousands of people following you or I don't want to say under you, that you lead. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it is thousands of people um, you're responsible in leading and I like the visual that you said, like you're like the foundation and then people start building off of that. So that gives you a good, a good um, perspective, um, a good place to be able to see how people are growing. And then you're able to help them to get to their success and their goals. Um, so a lot of times um, and something that you keep saying it is just it keep ringing in my ear about your success is really centered around people. And we hear like different award speech. Uh, thank God for my mom and this coach and whoever that have paved the way for that person to um, achieve their level of status. Um, what would you say to younger people? You know, you got nieces and nephews who listen to podcasts. You you got all types of folks who listen to our podcast. So most most accomplishments, of course, it comes with uh, hard work. And that's why um, I titled this podcast, The Cost of Success, because it does cost you something. Um, and so it costs a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sacrifices. And I'm learning that right now. It's a lot of sacrifices that I'm making just to maintain uh, the level of work that I do. But um, how would you guide your younger self if you had to go back? Um, what's some things? How would you guide yourself? Your younger you self. You know what? A couple things. I would take the leap and I'll explain that. And I would also work the process and not allow the process to work me. And so I'll give a story. You know, obviously, Caleb, um, my son has autism. And when that first diagnosis, I was not even in management at the time and I, and I was struggling. And, and, you know, autism 
way back 19 years ago, that was extremely hard. The insurance didn't cover. I considered doing all kinds of things because all I really wanted was services for my baby. So you know what I did? I got with my best friend, Flip, and we decided we're going to come up with a lawn service. And I'll tell you something that actually bothers me to this day. There is no doubt that I would be a multimillionaire had I stayed with that idea. But fear stepped in because it would have required that I step away or take that leap. I understood what was needed. And we had so much business. We act, I actually cowered and just quit because it was it came fast. And that's what I would tell my younger self. That you know what? Success costs. You are going to have to pay the price somewhere. And I, my price was I was going to have to walk away from my stability, if you will, and then start out on my own. This is something where I think I have, I don't know if I've ever told you. So now I can tell you nationally. This is something I tell my wife all the time where I have the most respect for you and Artina and where you become a, a, um, a role model, if you will, even for me, I tell, I, I am so proud of all four of my brothers. And I always talk about Ralph, listen, he has his own business because you did something that again, your, your older brother was a coward. I was scared to death to step out or to take that leap and to build up. Uh, we, at the time we called it S&E lawn service and we were making serious money and I got scared, and so I, I fell back. Now, the good Lord saw fit to still, um, uh, my path was still already ordered, and I still was able to make it, um, you know, be successful in what I'm doing, but I have no doubt that that um, our lawn service could have taken off so much more. If I could go back, I, I think about it all the time. If I could go back, I would have taken the leap and then work the process. The, the process is key. You know what, the process, you know, we all, you started off with something you, and we were just talking about this at work. Everyone wants to be an executive. Everyone wants to be the boss, but no one wants to put in the hard work, the extremely long hours. The, you know what, it's the weekend and while everyone else is out golfing, you're, you're, you're having to put together a business plan or you know what, you have, I'm traveling and, and I might have to miss this, that or the other. No one wants to do all of that. We want the title. We want the, the, the things, the stuff, if you will, that comes with it. But we don't want to do the work, but we don't want to, the process. You know what, I, Wesley, at one point you had that, we all had these super bodies, but that did, we were born with phenomenal genes, but we had to do a couple push-ups and do some running and sit-ups and have a disciplined diet, things of that nature. It's a process to get there. Uh, you know, Joel and B said, trust the process. Everyone laughed at it, but they were just what in the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. They were right, they were, they were right there. It was a process to get there. They didn't just put the team together in instant success. It was a process. The heat, they did not just get it. It was a process. I, I would have to work the process and not allow the process to work me. Understand where I'm going, put the put focus on that and then just march towards it and then don't look back. That's what I would tell the younger me. I was scared. I let fear uh, stop me. And so did I get to where I'm trying to go? I'm well on my way, but I could have been years ahead had I not let fear uh, handicap or cripple me. And I think something that you were saying, like 
success, um, I was thinking, why is this so attractive? And we look at those things, right? Uh, we, we had our first annual brothers trip uh, last year and um, we were in California um, last year. And, you know, the beauty of what we were doing, it was just amazing. But I also watched how you had to step away and straight up leave us. Like we was golfing, getting it in, having a good time, but you had to step away. And, you know, that's the part of su success or um, even with the role that you uh, feel, uh, the title that you carry that we don't talk about, right? We don't talk about like, you got to make a sacrifice even in the midst of you you know, being on vacation or having a good time. And why, why do some of us, why are we so attracted to it? And we like the things we like the, Hey, I'm my own boss and all of those things, but it costs, it costs long hours. Sometimes it costs you sacrifices with your health and things of that nature. Um, let, let's kind well, of wrap. Think about this. Think about, think about this. When you say the, the sacrifices and why do we like it? It's, it's pretty easy. You know what? It was five of us. So did we all have the, the Air Jordans? Mom and Daddy didn't put Air Jordans on us every single time. So then, you know what? I want to be able to get those Air Jordans. I want to drive a Mercedes or I want to drive the, the uh, this, that, or the other. Whatever, whatever that is, we all, we all want that. But it's because it's things, it's stuff that we see. But we don't want to do the work. I know your story. So I see the studio, I see the degrees on the wall, I see the desk, I see the home, I see the cars, I see the private school, I see all of that with the family. But what, and that's what everyone else can see, but maybe they have a short memory of what happened five, six, seven, ten years ago when you were just starting. Maybe we weren't living in this same neighborhood and driving that same type of car because it took time, it was a process, if you will, to get there. And that's, it is, is going to be a cost unless, hey, even, even if you hit the lottery, there's a cost, you gotta buy that ticket. I always yeah. say nothing in life is free except salvation and that comes with a choice. So yeah. th and that wasn't free, it cost his, his life. <laughs> right, hey, exactly, that was his life. And what did that cost us? A choice, we have a choice. There's nothing free. So you didn't get to become the executive. President Obama, President Trump, you name it. No one made it to where they're trying to get there without paying some type of a cost. Mm. Yeah. Hard work, that's, yeah. a, that's what it really comes down to. So you said, I, I like um, trust the process. I tell, it was something, I believe I even wrote it down in one of my notes a long time ago that you need to learn how to fall in love with the process. Um, in my line of work, of course, people come in here, um, you know, especially my married couples. I love them. I love working with married couples and they want, they want to give me 15 years of dysfunctional behaviors and dysfunctional communication and everything about the relationship is dysfunctional, but they want to, you know, trap me into, can you help and fix this within three months? Like, and then, you know, your daddy come out and mean like you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the stuff that I be telling them, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You, you it, I cannot fix. 15 years and three months, that, that's impossible. And truth be told, like you just said earlier, I can't fix it, period, right? If you want your marriage and all of that stuff to change, you're going to be the one um, that has to change it. I just help you guide through that process. So we do have to trust exactly. the uh, process. 
Uh, one last nugget. Leave. What's something that you want to leave? Uh, we you you dropped a lot of good um, information here in regards to the cost of success. So um, normally, you know, I'll I'll close it out. How can people find you? I don't want to do that today. Um, leave some type of encouragement to our listening audience in regards to the cost of success. What's just one last thing uh, that you would like to drop on them before um, we wrap it up here? This is going to sound so corny and cheesy, but I believe it. Be your most authentic self at all times, period, end of story. Be your most authentic self. And when, when you're real, you know what? For a period of time, I tried to be what everyone wanted me to be. I took a title. I took a claim. I was this. I was that. I think this will make this person happy. I think this is what they want. And I failed at it, or I wasn't as good. I, I maybe I was I was on the surface or on the exterior. It seemed like I was happy and I was doing it, but on the inside, the interior of me was broken because I was not being my most authentic self. I have an opinion on what Wesley should do. I have an opinion on what Artina should do, and everyone else. But that's my opinion. You have to be the best you, and that's your business. Be your most authentic. Self. If we're real with ourselves, I think the world would be so much better and we could actually achieve that peace. When I'm comfortable in my skin, the rest is, is just perfect the basics, the rest to follow. That's another one of my cliches. And so the basis is just simply being yourself and everything else to follow. And if, if you allow me to um, tag on to that, you need to reject people projections that they placed on you. Or try to now, place and now that's not, now you know what now you talking about writing a sermon that right there is a sermon all by itself. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion on what you should do and this that or the other. But have you ever stopped to ask if it was so easy and that why aren't you doing it for yourself? I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes we just have to ask those simple questions. It's, it's, I have a lot of people. You need to do this, and now you're making this much money. So this is what you need to do. Well, that's funny. I, huh? It, it makes no sense. Be you. You yeah. you be comfortable over there in your house. Let me be comfortable over here in mine. Let me be, you know what? If I'm fat and I still want to wear skinny jeans, pray for me, but let me wear my skinny jeans. Oh, we're gonna blast you if you dare do that. Bro. Now you are now, Wesley. You know you're not gonna catch me in those skinny jeans, like yep. you won't catch me in no um University of Michigan wear it's green yeah, and that's, white. That's all a day. We don't believe in that anyway, you know, <laughs> and we, we know how that is. Well, uh, Eddie, it's been it's been an honor. I uh, appreciate you coming in and uh, spending time with your younger brother and talking about the cost of success. And um, really, hopefully I don't have to say hopefully I know something uh, as we say at church. I know something was said to encourage your heart. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I, I know people. Uh, really enjoy uh, this podcast. I enjoy spending time with you as always. Uh, can't wait to whip your butt once again on that golf course because uh, I'm horrible and you let a rookie come in and beat you in your own own time. Wesley, so I had you fly across the country. That's called hospitality. Yeah, okay. But what did I tell you? That will not happen again. That was that good mm -hmm. brotherly love you flew yeah. out to LA. I had to give you something, right? 
it, it's called skill, sir. It's called skill. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's called skill, and I'm going after my other brother next. You're, you're done. I don't think you'll ever beat me again. So, uh, But anyway, let's wrap this up. I, I appreciate you. And to my listening audience, thank you again for joining us. Until next time, you all go and have a blessed day and be renewed in your thinking. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the Everything Renewed podcast. I hope you heard something that was helpful and that you can relate to. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Remember, start with the mind and everything can be renewed. Until next time, stay fresh, stay cool, and stay renewed.